welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. So uh, good morning and welcome. It's great to see you, particularly if you are visiting here. It's lovely. We're thrilled that you've chosen to spend some of your Sunday with us. We are going to listen to and read the reading together. ...to Babylon and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. So I want to start by asking a question, if that's all right. What happens when life doesn't pan out quite the way that we thought it would? What do you do when what you thought would happen doesn't. What happens when you've been praying and you don't get the answer uh, that you expect? What happens if you find yourself living a life that you didn't expect? Maybe that you didn't even plan. I don't know about you, but I think growing up, well, if you'd asked the the 16-year-old version of myself when I'd stopped being like Kevin from Harry Enfield and the older ones amongst us, I would not have expected what I said my life would look like would not be the life I'm living. And I know for, for many of us, we are living the life that we thought we'd live. We, we're living the life that we sort of dreamed of and we hoped of. We're living the life uh, just the way we kind of thought it would. Some of us maybe didn't think like that anyway and just to kind of roll with the punches and go with it and whatever happens, que sera, sera. But regardless of whether we kind of had an idea, maybe even this time last year of what life would look like now, or whether we didn't, for many of us in here, life has not panned out the way that we thought it would. For some of us, it's even better and more exciting. For some of us, we didn't foresee health challenges. We didn't foresee grief. 
we didn't foresee a job change or a relationship ending. And yet here we are just a few days before Christmas. Well, if that's you, the story that we have just read and heard is tremendously good news. You are not alone. Because the parents of Jesus, for the parents of Jesus, at least the earthly parents of Jesus in Joseph's case, life did not pan out how they thought it would pan out either. Let's start with Joseph. Now, what we heard in the passage is that Joseph is known as a righteous man. Now, that word can slightly wash over us, uh, the translation in English, but uh, in the culture in which they were living, a righteous man had a special title. He was known as a, as a, as a Sadiq. And a Sadiq, Scott McKnight, brilliant writer, talks about this. It was someone he would have had huge status in his culture. He would have been the person that people went to for wisdom and for understanding, both in terms of the, the, the law and the Torah, but also in general. So he was a man who had an extraordinary reputation. He was one of a very few people in his community uh, to have this title. And... Maybe, well, one would assume that, that he'd kind of been working towards that for a long time. He would have been plucked out, he would have been picked um, by a rabbi, and he would have been, when he was a teenager, would have been trained as a rabbi, would have followed the rabbi around, and would have learned all sorts of things from him. Although he didn't become a rabbi, he, he had huge learning. And that is what he had come to expect of his life. And then there's Mary. We don't know exactly how old Mary is uh, in this story, but we can assume it probably in her mid to late teens. Maybe she, like everyone else in her village, thought, well, I'll meet, an, uh, you know, my parents will arrange my marriage. I'll be married to a nice man. He'll look after me. We will live in a house together. We will have children and we will live, you know, village life, if you like, life in our community. Now, for both of those people, Mary and Joseph, life is about or was about to take a turn that neither of them expected. For Joseph, in order for him to uh, be obedient to what the Lord had told him in a dream meant that his reputation was about to be flushed down the toilet. This lifetime he had spent working towards being this person, this righteous man, was about to be torn up and thrown away. And he understood that. He understood that to say yes to God in that moment was for his reputation to be tarnished forever. In fact, so much so, and I'll explain why in a minute, that later on, uh, when, when they're talking about Jesus, they, they don't even say he is the son of Joseph. They say, wasn't he the carpenter's son? They can't even bring themselves to mention his name because of the shame that he would have brought upon himself by saying yes to this thing that he was presented with, this moment that he was presented with. Because you cannot be a righteous man and marry somebody who has had a child by another man. In terms of the culture, what the culture would have thought. Or even worse than that, how could you possibly marry a woman who claimed that the baby that she was carrying wasn't just from another man, it was from God? I mean, the shame and the disgrace that he was choosing to align himself with, his reputation never recovered from. 
people wouldn't even talk about him uh, in sort of in muttered breaths. And we don't know much of what happened to him. The last account we have of him, as you'll, you'll remember, is when Jesus is a teenager and the family take a trip to Jerusalem and Jesus goes missing. Three days later, they find him in the temple. And, uh, and then he says he goes and he submits to his, you know, he explains why he's there and he goes home and submits to his parents. That is the last reference we have to Joseph. So we don't even know what happened to him, except that he went from being a righteous man to being a carpenter. Nothing wrong with being a carpenter, but that wasn't probably what he expected when he was quietly going about his business as a Sadiq. And then the angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and tells him that things are not going to pan out quite the way that he thought they would. What do you do? How do you respond to that? That everything that you hoped for, everything you longed for, is about to change. And then there's Mary, this teenager. I have teenagers myself now. I know uh, many of us in this room have teenagers. Some of us are still teenagers, whether in body or in mind. Uh, in my case, in mind. Uh, think about some of the decisions, some of the choices, some of the ways that you re reacted to things when you were a teenager. Because what we've done is we've painted this picture of Mary as um, this kind of serene, thoughtful, passive almost person. I don't know if you've ever seen the Franco Zeffirelli uh, 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 film, the miniseries on Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth it's called. Nazareth it's called. Well, if you haven't, that is how she comes across, as very so serene, slightly older, very thoughtful, reflective. And if you've ever had a teenager, and we've all been a teenager, and if we're not good, it's about to, it'll happen at some point and enjoy it. Is that generally how teenagers react to, to a change of plans, a change of news? Well, it's not how my teenagers react uh, to any change. My, my eldest son, so like his mother, wakes up, what's the plan this morning? I'm like, let's just see what happens. I know we need a plan. What's the plan? I said to Nikki, let's just go with the flow. The boys, you know, they're happy with that. They're just out. Luke, first thing, walks into a room, what's the plan? Uh, so they like to know what's going on. They like to feel safe. They like to feel secure. They need to know what a plan is. Many of them, not all of them. Um, and they do not often react the way that we would anticipate them reacting, either to good news or to bad news, for that matter. So let's lose this picture as, of Mary as being this sort of quiet, thoughtful person. Because I don't think that's how she was. And what, what we don't get is the bit in between the angel of the Lord saying, this is what's going to happen, and her saying, let it be as you've said. We don't, in, in, in the passage, get to see and experience her inner turmoil, turmoil and her struggle and her uncertainty. And her, her, am I just making this up and this doesn't make any sense and I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what's happening to my body. I don't understand how, why people are treating me differently. I don't understand why I'm being sent to see my cousin for three months because the village is going nuts because they don't believe me when, they say, when I tell them that an angel appeared to me and told me I was going to have God's baby and that's how I'm pregnant. I don't get it. That's a little bit closer to the Mary, the real Mary, 
Not the sanitized, painted version of Mary. So you've got two people, one probably more of an adult, one probably more of a teenager, experiencing this literally earth-shattering news. It's going through this whole experience, both apart and together. Life did not pan out for them the way they thought it would. I I hesitate to say, but probably in hindsight, they wouldn't have changed anything. But in the moment, the thing we have to remember is that we know the whole story now. They were living through the story moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, month by month. They didn't know that this hope of the world who was going to be born on the side of a street in a cave, they didn't know that then, that when he died, his life would have been considered a failure. He would, when he died, he died a, a criminal's death, crucified like loads of other people outside the city walls. And when that happened, they didn't know for sure that three days later he was going to rise again. And when he did rise three days later, they didn't know what to make of that either. At that point, well, we think before that, Mary believed. But for them, this was happening in real time. And for us, we live life, don't we, in real time. What would you tell in a year's time? What will you be telling your in this moment person about some of the things that you were experiencing now? What will you be saying? Will you be saying... It all panned out all right in the end. Or will you be saying, keep going, because it's going to get harder before it gets better? And the incredible thing about this story, about the Christmas story, is there is so much hope in it. Amongst so much confusion. And somehow we have to find the ability to live in the tension of the confusion often of now. And the hope that we know is coming. Hope is always coming. Hope came. Emmanuel, God with us. Joseph would have known the scripture, for I know the plans I have for you in Jeremiah 29. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. I wonder how many times... He played that, reminded himself of that verse over and over and over and over again through the rest of the course of his life. He died not knowing. He died still holding on to the uncertainty of probably everything that's happened. Now, I'm putting a lot in the story that isn't there, but I'm trying to make it more real and more human to us because we've got used to this Christmas card idea of people standing serenely round a manger. Imagine when the shepherds hear that the saviour the, the savior of the world has been born and they are directed to this stable. You imagine like the anti-climax. What, this is it? 
Like, aren't kings born in palaces? This is it. This baby born to this teenager and her fiancé, this is it? This is, this is the best you've got? One wonders, 33 and a half, 34 years later, whether they were still asking that same question. Or whether they sort of, every now and again, thought, I wonder what happened to that baby. Wasn't he the baby that showed people what God was like? Wasn't he the one who talked about what God was like? Wasn't he the one who, didn't he die? Yeah, but he rose again. Like, how much sense? Like, incredible hope in that. And yet, this morning, we're reminded of the mess at the start. So if you find yourself this morning wondering which way is up, which way is down, which way is left, which way is right, why the prayers you prayed aren't being answered the way that you thought they would, why the job you hoped for went to somebody else, why, despite your prayers, your health has not been what you had hoped, why, despite your best efforts, the relationship that you had has kind of crumbled in your fingers. Let's remember three things this morning. The first is this. If God came near once... He can come near again. He can come close to us now. This is the last Sunday before we gather to celebrate the birth of Jesus. So wherever you are on the map, whatever is happening in your life, remember, Joseph and Mary gave him the name, this unexpected baby, in this unexpected life, the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So whether you know him or whether you don't, he's closer than you think. Whether you know him or whether you don't, he wants to step in to your life with all its uncertainty, with all the things that are going great and with all the challenges, and to be with you. Let's remember that you are never alone. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of what is going on in your life, regardless of whether you think that everybody understands or nobody understands, he understands. He is the God who chose to give up the glory and the worship of heaven, the throne of heaven, to be born in a stable, not in a palace. He is the one who chose to give up the worship of angels for the misunderstanding and the rejection of people. Why? Because he saw each one of us. And he loved us and he said, I'm going to walk Amongst them, I'm going to show them what I am like. I am going to show them the way to the Father. I'm going to show them the way to a better life. And then I'm going to die and rise to make it all possible. 
He's not the God who sends a postcard. He's the God who is the postcard. The Christmas card. The hope card. So the first thing, remember that God came close. Secondly, if life is a challenge, and it's a challenge for most of us, I want to encourage you to do what I'm trying to do, which is to to relinquish my need to understand. Relinquish my need to understand why some of the things that are happening are happening. You imagine Mary and Joseph trying to work out why this, why them? And yet they got to hold the creator of the universe in their arms. So relinquish the need to understand, but know this, that God is good, that he is for you and that he is with you. Thirdly, keep going. Keep walking. If things are great, that's easy. If things have a challenge, keep walking. All walking is, is falling with style and keeping going. That's all it is. One step at a time. Keep going. One step at a time, remembering Emmanuel, the hope of the world, God with us, is with you. And he's promised not just to be with you, he's promised to give you everything that you need, particularly when times are tough. He's promised to give you strength from his Holy Spirit. He's promised to surround you with a family, and that's what we are together. We are a family. He's promised In Hebrews, that there is a cloud of witnesses cheering you on. So keep going. Keep going. And remember that the one who came still comes and the one who spoke still speaks. So how do we live an unexpected life? Remember that God is with us. Give up our need to understand everything. And keep going. Keep going. God is with us. Let's stand together.